0: which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to fake the nation and use the code nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 97. What if... I wanted to vote for Andrew Yang and not because we're voting in fucking April.
1: I mean. Everything you know is I mean? a wrap by the time.
0: Everything is a wrap. If things we are still up in the air. matter not at all. Not at all. I'm we so
1: angry. invented progressivism.
0: <laughs> guess someone, guess someone.
1: We should be first. Someone get Mr. Democracy Iowa? in here. And fuck you, the Iowa. Fuck you
0: to Janam
1: Iowa <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fucking
1: lie,
2: every year three.
0: Go his <laughs> side Two. 1 Hello, hello. This is Make the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where Eminem may surprise you at literally any moment. He might be joining the show, you guys. I don't know. He'll just pop up wherever he pops up. Uh, I am your host, Nakeem Farsad, and today we're going to talk about the stupid, fucking, spread out, ridiculous, and undemocratic primary process. We'll also talk about changes to the travel ban and changes to Roger Stone's punishment. And finally, uh, the American Dirt controversy. Should it be a controversy? I'm so excited by today. Panel. Uh you've you've heard him before on this podcast. He's what we call the OP, the other Persian. Uh, he's launching a podcast that I'm so excited about. It's called Fraudsters. It's going to be on the last podcast network, and you should just immediately be following him and subscribing to everything he does. Ooh, you could even watch um his series Trollville on Vimeo, which yeah. he expertly directed. Um, And, oh, my God, he's just uh, – uh, I'm a fan and a friend, you guys. It's uh, the Persian – very Persian. Um, Sina Ghaznavi. Hey, wow.
1: Sina. Thank you so much. Great to be here.
0: Oh, my God, you guys. For the first time to the show, um, we have, and I should, I want to point out. Last week we had a, a full Haitian on the show, and now we have a partial Haitian on the show again. We're we're committed uh, to our our um, our Haitian panelists. Um, he is the justice correspondent at the Nation magazine. I have been reading his stuff and just reveling in it. It's so fa- he's so fantastic in the written word, and now to see in person is such a treat you guys it's Ellie Mistel.
3: no pressure yay <laughs> <laughs> this should be great psyched
0: um okay you guys there's like a lot of feelings in the room so let's just launch into topic number 1 uh, so far this primary seat. so far this primary season we've heard from less than 2% of the american population and yet Candidates like Andrew Yang and Michael Bennett have dropped out of the race. If Yang had run on a single primary date with ranked choice voting, he would have picked up some actual delegates, I think. Uh, but no candidate has won majorities in either of the two ridiculous first-the-nation white states to vote, and yet we talk about them like they've already won the nomination. Um, so I'm mad. Uh, it's I, an I undemocratic tell. primary, the way only America can do it, and uh, and and we're really in the motherfucking horse race right now. <clears throat> so my first question to you guys is: What did you make of the should be irrelevant um, rest of uh, the, the the New Hampshire primary uh, results and how we're handling them uh, and how and and just all of it? Just start vomiting out <laughs> your fucking thoughts and frustrations. <laughs>
3: I mean, I, my, my slightly weirdly counterintuitive take is that Bernie won the first two primaries. I mean, like, I, whether you're a fan of Bernie Sanders or not, I feel like it's worth saying that it appears that Bernie Sanders got the most verse, votes out of that ridiculous Iowa caucus nightmare thing. Yes, And it appears that he got the most votes out of New Hampshire. And I agree with the delegates. Or, but, like, in terms of just raw vote, to the extent that we're a democratic society— Bernie Sanders won the white people. And right. so I'm kind of interested to see if what happens once we get to non-white people in all the other states, <laughs> all the other states. Right? But <laughs> I do think it's worth giving Bernie Sanders some credit for like winning white people in two states. That's that's what's and happened I, so I far. I also want
0: to point out about these results. And and I'm not Look, we all know that Elizabeth Warren is my candidate. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we all fucking know. And I'm not bitter about that. I'm bitter about literally democracy being um, just totally pooped upon by this really miserably wrong process in which by April, what if I wanted to vote for Andrew Yang? What if I wanted to vote for Andrew motherfucking Yang? Guess what? I can't because my primary in New York is in April. And you know what happens in April? It's over in April.
3: What if you wanted to vote for Cory Booker?
0: What if I wanted to fucking vote for Cory Booker? What if I wanted to vote for Kamala Harris? I mean, this process weeds people out in the most um, unfair way, and then we have a media that piles on. And I and I just can't. What is the name of your article that I read?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think they say I don't get to choose the title, so I think it was uh, they rocked it in New Hampshire, but Pete and Amy still can't get black voters or something like
0: that. Right? Okay. Let's okay. Can we talk about? So you described Pete Buttigieg, and again, great love will will valiantly, just gleefully, enthusiastically, fucking support that motherfucker if he mm-hmm. becomes the nominee. Please don't get me wrong. And I think he's probably a nice guy. But what is? Can you explain why? And then, Sina, you can also speak for all other people of color. <laughs> can
3: you
0: explain why black people—you described it so beautifully yeah. in the piece. The
3: reason why I wrote that piece, actually, was to try to explain to a lot of my, you know, white friends, college educated. I went to law school. A lot of my white law school friends kind of don't understand why Pete Buttigieg has, you know, 0% support within <laughs> the African-American <laughs> community, right? They can't yeah. figure out why. Is everybody homophobic? No, Chad, that's not the problem. <laughs> like the 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 issue is, and, and the way that I explained it in, in this article was that Pete every every black person in this country, and I think most women in this country, and I think most not most just generally non-white people in this country have a Pete Buttigieg in their lives. We know that guy. That's the guy with the unearned privilege, with absolutely no experience, but with a fancy degree, who comes into your office and walks out with your promotion. Yes. Right? He's he's that guy. He's the guy that shows up because he knows the boss's—he might not be the boss's son, but he knows the boss's son because they went playing polo together or highlight together. And now he shows up in your office and he's running your meeting and he's walking around talking about all the great things that he's going to be able to do for you. And you're just like, who the hell are you? Where the hell did you come from? Right? <laughs> and 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 so you look at him and like, even again, he's probably a nice man. Probably a nice guy. It's not exactly his fault that he's white. It's everybody
0: else's but fault we've seen in this, the way we treat we've him. We've
3: seen this before. We've seen this kind of an exactly unearned status. This is the 38-year-old mayor of the fourth largest city in Indiana. From the perspective of African-American voters... We're about to have to take on a monster. Donald Trump is a monster. We have to go up against a monster, and white people are ser- serving us up the mayor of the fourth largest city in Indiana. What?
2: <laughs> what is <this laughs> wrong with you, Pete?
3: Right? And so that's that. That's why he has such problems generating African American support. It's not just that is you know has a kind of trash record in South Bend about policing and whatever. It's not just that. Obviously, I'm sure we'll that talk has about later. To do with it. You know, apparently black people are willing to vote for people with trash records on race. That's not exactly the problem. Um, it's not, it's not that black people are homophobic. As I point out, Lori Lightfoot is the mayor of black-ass Chicago, and she is an openly gay woman, and black people voted for her, you know, by a large margin, right? So it's not that the black community is homophobic. It's not that we don't like white people. A lot of black people are going to vote for Joe Biden. Um, Pete, in particular, has no qualification— <laughs> For the job that he's asking us to install him in. And there have just been too many times in our lives as African Americans that some white man with no qualifications has gotten the 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 the, the, the benevolence of white society.
0: Cena. Oh
3: speak that was, about,
0: speak for that was beautiful. Thank
3: you. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. I feel, like
0: I, w- I feel like I just did a CrossFit workout just <laughs> listening to that. OK, Cena.
1: So I, I want to just build on that. And I think the privilege thing you've covered very well. I, I can speak from living in New York for 15 plus years, going to law school and meeting and knowing people that work at these big management consulting firms like Kinsey, like McKinsey these people are curated at birth to become management consultants. (laughs) They are like bread (laughs) like Gattaca, okay? This is my (laughs) general problem with Pete Buttigieg, is that He is a facade. Yes, his identity. He is a a gay man. And I appreciate his service to our country. But let me tell you, the man is about (laughs) as as fake as like a three dollar bill. It is so (laughs) transparently obvious that all the stuff that he's doing has just been premeditated from when he was a young age. I don't trust a single. He is a corporate president. When he's when people are chanting Wall Street Pete, it is he takes it as a compliment. (laughs) <laughs> and that is the fundamental problem. He wants to bring people together and that's the the other part he says this, we need to bring people together. We need to do all these. You've never done that, bro. Yeah, You've right, never right, done right. that. You
0: you literally had some chances. <laughs> <Right. It's> just, <laughs> you <laughs> had some chances. You fired a, an African-American police chief and then increased the uh, number of black people that were arrested right. under your reign.
1: I you, uh, governed more people as student body president in my high school than this mayor well. is the mayor.
3: of. <laughs> well, well, the, a, a, and, and we haven't even gotten into the Obama comparisons, right? Because that, that's, uh, the thing, that's uh, that pisses, their campaign, too. That's their campaign, and that pisses, that pisses people. People off, right? Um, if you if you talk to Pete supporters, they will push back on the narrative that he is an unearned, you know. You know, example or or, or, or an unear is an unearned person um, uh, because they will say that, well, Obama in 2008 had similar experience to what Pete has now. Mm. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> that is incorrect. Barack Obama was the state senator from Illinois 13th district. You know how many people live in that district? About 210,000 people. You know how many people live in South Bend, Indiana? Less. <laughs> Half. Yeah. All right. Then Obama Then he was a senator. Then he was a US Senator, a statewide senator. And in terms of his pop- popularity coming into that 2008 race, remember, Barack, Barack Obama lit the 2004 Democratic National Convention on fire with his oratory, right? People left 2004 being like, man, why can't we vote for that Obama guy instead of John Kerry? Like, that's how that's how famous Obama was when he started running in 2008. Pete Buttigieg lit up, like, a CNN town hall, maybe once, kinda. <laughs> he, like, wasn't completely blown off the stage at a CNN town hall by, right. like, Warren or Klobuchar or somebody else. And that's why he's a thing now? Are you kidding me? There's just... There's no, there's nothing he's done to have earned this. status. What makes me
0: so nervous is that what's ha- what happens, again, because we have the most miserable scattered—again, read my column in The Progressive, so I, you see how angry I am—because uh, we have this ridiculous primary schedule, the white people have spoken— and it influences. I mean, I think it will influence South Carolina. It, I think it will influence black voters, even though black voters are like, you guys are fucking nuts, right? And then, some, but some of them will be like, I don't know, are they nuts? Like, it makes you question your conviction. And I, you know, so I'm, I don't know what's gonna happen in South Carolina, but I, I imagine these fucking stupid, irrelevant primary results that are less than two percent of the country's population are going to influence even black voters. I think
3: it's gonna be more of the negative influence. It's gonna be. More- more of a look at who didn't win, who didn't do well, right? Because again, one of the differences between Obama and the Pete campaign is that everybody knows it's well documented that black voters were resistant to Barack Obama in 2008 until he won Iowa. And it was only after winning Iowa that black support really flowed towards Obama. And there's a reason for that, which I feel like is lost on the on the judge campaign. See, like Obama was black. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a thing that he forgets. But like being a black man to win Iowa to win white people in Iowa was a thing that made black people go, hmm. Right, right, right. Interesting. Oh, white people like him too. Because that didn't happen for Al Sharpton. That didn't happen for Jesse Jackson. That didn't happen for Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we hadn't seen white people vote for a black presidential candidate. So when we saw that, it was like, oh, all right, maybe this is a real thing. White people voting for other white people is not a th- is not a thing. It's not oh right right. Well, Pete Bruder just proved that's sure he could true. win some white like of course he could win some white people in the Midwest. Nobody surprised by every that,
0: ethnic right? group totally and seen it. I, this has probably happened to you, but my I used to get hate mail from Iranians for being like a fucking lady and <laughs> that was essentially it that was essentially the problem and um <laughs> and then i stopped Fuck. getting hate mail once like um i got getting real i started getting real gigs like on television and, and film and in and radio and then iranians were like oh white people like her so now we will support her like now we're comfortable to go through with this you know and so that kind of ha- i feel like that happens um I, with I a lot to, uh, of ethnic
3: where I think it hurts is people like Warren, right? Because, like, I do think, see, people, Elizabeth Warren has, and I'm not allowed to endorse candidates and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not endorsing anybody. But I will say that Elizabeth Warren has put in the work with the African American oh, community, right? God. If you look at her black validators, right? It is the Black Women Fundraising Fund, it is Iana Pressley, it is, you know, it is, it is, well-known and well-established African-Americans who have come out in support of her. She has put in work. She has been to Mississippi, even though Mississippi doesn't have a primary until you know June or whatever. Um, but when she can't show that she can get white Bernie bros in Iowa or white centrists in New Hampshire, when she can't do that, I feel like that's going to hurt her with the African-American mood right, community right. more than... Amy freaking Klobuchar is gonna is gonna help. Are you anybody. saying
1: because there's uh, more risk aversion, right. in that camp? Right. right. Yeah. I think
3: that, I think that there are there are people who would be willing to go into her camp if they thought that she could win, but her inability so far to have attracted the kind of white male you know centrist support, I think, will hurt her in in a way. And- Um, Going forward.
1: And that's my biggest disappointment, too. I'm a Warren supporter as well, and I don't really know where to go from here. I guess, you know, I'm sticking with my guns until (laughs) we have to vote in our meaningless (laughs) primary in April. Uh, But I I Uh think why do we still have Iowa and New Hampshire as these openers? It does not make any sense. It was like, you know, Iowa, you were cute 15 years ago, and now you've done the same cute act every single time. It's not cute anymore. Every Nothing works. Everybody, it is bananas. I mean,
0: and, the, and, the, and the interesting thing is this is something that's easily changed because it's a party decision, right? It's not in the fucking constitution. So let's change it. Like, everyone should immediately be calling up Tom Perez personally and being like, what are you doing, bro? And it's not his fault. These decisions were made by the idiots who made them in the 70s. And I don't mean to call them idiots. I'm sure they were also nice people who just didn't <laughs> know how it was going to turn out. I'm so sorry. But my point is, we can change this so easily. We can change this so easily. And friends of ours... Now, tell me, Steven, what can you I just think.
3: One- yes? Yes? It's easy to change Iowa. It's actually a little harder to change New Hampshire. In New Hampshire state constitution, oh, they, it they, says that they have to be the first primary. Uh, so, like so, New so Hampshire, in every
0: country, every state will just be on that date.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's you, you have to do that, right? Like New Hampshire, or else you have to make New Hampshire change, change its their own, c- own right, laws. Which, which, I know, don't even not doing. know
0: you can have a fucking rule like that. If anyways, if right, you're in a fucking that's another con, that's right. another conversation for constitutional lawyers, which I am not. <laughs> um, but Cena, my question for you: you Now we have friends of the show, people like John Lovett over at Crooked Media, mm-hmm. who I'm pretty sure John that that whole Crooked Media crew is against a same day primary. What are your thoughts on a same day primary? Why? Why can can you is what is the reason to be against a same day primary?
1: You mean just having the primary all the
0: state primaries on the same day? I think that would
1: be what is the reason against it? Yeah. Well, I think the people want to have a sense that there's an actual race happening where there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And they want to see campaigners and politicians actually make the case over time. If we did have a giant field like we do now and they all voted on the same day, you would only get someone with a plurality. And that's why we have this. Which is
0: why we need to have ranked choice voting. Mm -hmm. Which is I was just going to say
1: that ranked choice voting across the country would fix
0: so many problems. so many problems. I'm
3: with you on same day uh, on, on ranked choice voting, but same day primary. The problem with same day primaries is Bloomberg. Yeah. See, the, 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 I hear the, you, the, the, the flex. he could buy, the, the he could pro- buy you could, it, right. You want to have some kind of process where a person can start off with very little funding, build momentum, make a case, get some votes under their belt, and then make the case that they should get more funding. Right? Like That's that's kind of what you want. It's just that you don't want that. I feel like the the problem with that is not the kind of – the problem is not in theory. The problem is in practice. Then, Like you would want – if you're going to – believe that in that theory, then you have to do it in states that are more diverse populations, right? So that everybody, at least kind of group wise, gets a say. If you only if you do it this way, what you have is the situation we have now where you have white people choosing the contenders. When ultimately black and brown people are the ones who are going to have to choose the winner.
1: Yeah, there's a weird filtering that's happening yeah. with these opening states that doesn't make any sense. Right. And then you have people like Bloomberg that are just like, hey, I read the numbers. Uh, I'm not going to those first
3: two. And it's just going right, right, right to right, Nevada, right, and South right, right. Carolina. It's like. No, he's skipping. The, he's going to Super Tuesday. He's skipping. Nevada. He's skipping
1: in all those as yeah. well. He's skipping I all mean, he's February just he under, he's just he's moneyballing this damn primary. He's money-balling. Yeah,
3: he's, no, he's just no, trying to I, buy.
0: Look, yeah, I think. I think that actually, I, I understand that, you know, that thing against the same day primary, but we are real pros at starting our elections. Like, Ted Cruz announced his, his candidacy 596 days before the election. Okay, we're pros at starting this process very early and getting those lesser name ID candidates in the field early. So I don't think, I still don't think that that argument holds because we can, we'll still have miserably long uh, election seasons. They'll just be national and they won't be Iowa, New Hampshire focused. And we won't, we Beat out people like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker who Cory Booker was my number two for fucking ever you know and now I had to move to Amy Klobuchar is my number two anyways I don't want to talk about it. I'm emotional but point is <laughs> like, like uh, that I think we, we I think the we would solve that problem by just having re- still long elections where people are all over the country getting their name out and then the media needs to do their job
1: but I think if, if you're <laughs> okay. going to do that I think you also right. have to do a couple things to support something like that I think we have to Publicly finance these presidential oh, elections, so yes. if, is, and then we also need to have a limited we window, like in the UK. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Know. The
0: problem of Bloomberg is not our primary schedule. Yeah. The problem with Bloomberg it's is Citizens United. United. So, like, let's put the fix the problem where the problem actually is and, and make that's make an why actual I, yeah, I disagree with that but with people who are against same day.
1: Yeah. And make an actual window for an election to happen so that the, the Ted Cruz's of the world don't actually start so that we do have a finite period where everyone, the whole country is paying attention, yeah. as opposed to now where it's like, I'm exhausted. I'm personally I used to love. Yes! watching this stuff. <laughs> I used to lie. I used to revel in it. When Bloomberg said this like funny thing last week where he was just like, oh, uh, what billionaire? And he's like, who's the other billionaire, he said. And I was just like, oh man, if this happened like 10 years ago, I'd be it like- It would have been fun. So fun and cool. This is this is why I love politics, my man. <laughs> now it's just like this is what we've come to: old this white man versus old
3: white man saying,
1: "I got more money than you."
3: It's also it also goes back to my point though that we're fighting a monster, and 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 that's why it's not funny anymore, right? Like I think that there there is it's hard to be to be light and humorous about what the hell is happening right now because there's a monster in the White House, right? Yeah. And I think that you 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 made a point that that I want to back up. Um, the the people who have been slowest to adjust and still haven't adjusted to the fact that there's a monster in the White House is the media, because they're still playing it like it's uh, like yeah, like it's normal. Right? And you know what's amazing about that is that when
1: Bernie Sanders wins New Hampshire, right? They, 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 for some reason, they don't Lose their shit. They, they're just Lose like, their shit. Oh my God, Klobuchar, what an amazing <laughs> performance. <laughs> and what are we going to do with Buttigieg? And it's all of these things. And it's like amazing to that so many people are terrified of Bernie. They are terrified that Bernie Sanders could possibly do worse than what the monster in the White House is doing to us right now. He is an actual existential threat know. to I me.
0: You know what? I, I, a part of it, I don't even know that they're like necessarily a afraid of Bernie or like can't recognize his wins I just feel like They're like, what's the story? The story is a Klobuchar surge. What's the story? The story is a Pete Buttigieg surge. You know what I mean? They just need stories in a way that like completely negate what the actual thing that's happening. And again, like I want to point this out so many times. None of these candidates are winning majorities, right? They're winning a plurality of votes. And it's not so it's not like. An overwhelming number of people are supporting anyone. They're not. You know what I mean? And that's what's really frustrating as well about the way it's being reported on.
3: I think they're scared. I, I don't think – I think it's beyond just like they're looking yeah. for good really? stories. Like I think they are terrified of Bernie Sanders. And the way that I can prove that is because that's why they don't talk about Warren. Because Because in any reasonable world – they would be talking about Warren way more than they we're talking yeah. about a guy like Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. But they're scared of her policies, too. They're particularly scared of Bernie because Bernie's like, I have these policies and a hammer. Whereas Warren's like, I have these policies and a scapel. But
0: <laughs> yeah, either yeah, way, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: <laughs> either way, they're like, it's the policies that terrify us, right? Because Bernie's policies, Warren's policies, they're about reordering. We'll, we'll change reordering things. how capitalism works. We'll and that and things. capitalism works real well for lots of people, right? So that that is what they're afraid of. When you say they're looking for stories, I mean, like by the if you watched television news after the primary, you would have thought that the person who won the New Hampshire primary was some new candidate. Named Pete Namy. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Namy won the primary because if you could just combine the votes, Pete and Amy won. Man, you can't do that, as we've seen time and time and time and time and again. Just assuming that if one candidate drops out, some other candidate will get all their support just doesn't happen, as we know. And I know this is sounding more and more like a Warren podcast. I don't mean it to, but like as I we know, it too. I mean it to.
0: I mean it too. That's fine for me. Warren <laughs> is like
3: the second choice of so many people. There's oh, no,
0: that's why rank choice voting. There,
3: there's no guarantee that all of Pete's support would go to Amy, or all of Amy's support would go yeah. to would go to Warren. That's just that's just dumb to say, right? But the media is so scared of Bernie, who just like won. They're, oh, Pete and Amy, actually, whenever you look, 56% of the voters like voted for a centrist. Nobody went into the voting booth in New Hampshire and pulled the lever for center-left. That wasn't on exactly. the ballot. There were actual humans on the ballot, and people voted for their humans, those humans. And we don't know which other humans they might have voted for had, had the people they voted for not been on the ballot. And so the you York, don't know. The
1: New York Times, even the, the Daily Podcast, will they'll, they'll come out, and they will say, you know, uh, the— Uh, The left wing of the party was solidly with Bernie Sanders, but New Hampshire showed us that more people want the moderate wing. So because they were just more moderates with if you add they said if you added up the moderate, it's like,
0: give me a break. To your point, but the other it's like they yeah, are humans. They're humans. And because like me, how is my first choice Warren and my second choice Klobuchar and she's it, a fucking moderate? You know what I mean? One in ten Bernie like, that voters. That doesn't necessarily make sense. I'm voting on humans. Exactly. Yeah. One
1: in ten Bernie voters in the, in 2016 became Trump voters. Right. It's like this is not. This like, is, like, a, is not. not a, yeah, a, right, a, right, The
3: right, thing right. that should scare us the way, at least should scare. So here's how I get against the sorry it's not just a Warren podcast it's not just a lefty podcast here we go all
1: right keep um, it balanced keep it balanced
3: here's the balance right <laughs> the thing that the Sanders and Warren wings should be afraid of is really not even the raw um vote totals it is the turnout yeah the the the, the these whites only primaries were a test of Bernie Sanders's central argument that he can turn out people in record numbers to have his political revolution to have the kinds of radical change policies that he says that he that he wants to bring. And the numbers in Iowa and the numbers in Hampshire do not back him up. Not because he won close elections, but because turnout was same as it was in 2016. Yeah. It but, was not also, even at 2008 level. Also
0: the turnout in Iowa is consistently garbage.
3: Was it for Obama? Oh,
0: oh but mean, it, it's a it, hovers in the like teens right like the turnout in Iowa so I mean it I, I mean on, on on the on the caucus day and you know guys I just wanna we have to wrap up the segment though I think we could talk about it for three more hours <laughs> uh we're gonna move on to fucking nevada and um and and nevada at least has more of a diverse population so thank god but again it's a caucus, a chaotic caucus state and i just want to point out that nevada like one of the big things nevada has going for it is it consumes more shrimp uh on a single day than the entire rest of the nation combined and they're landlocked okay so that's the third state that's gonna tell us some shit i mean all right i'm just saying um We didn't even talk about Bloomberg and his tape. Do you guys want to each say one thing about the Bloomberg tape and what it means to the elections?
1: Um, I I think
3: he is... By the
0: way, a a tape came out where he was like full-throatedly uh, endorsing slam against the wall to get the guns out slam him against the wall uh, and, 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 them being
3: uh, black people sorry right, just, to right, be, just, to to be, just to be, to be clear, clear.
0: Um, so he was full-throatedly uh, supporting his his top and frisk this was like in 2005 uh, or some, something like that anyways and and he has said well that I'm a changed person now where do you stand on Bloomberg that?
1: Bloomberg is the closest thing to the architect of the matrix he sees <laughs> people <laughs> as data and I, I think that can cut both ways I think I'd like to see that whole interview because I'm sure he probably said things that I would have liked, but when he said the audio that I did hear, I was like, "Oi, this man, could he he say anything worse? Could that be a worse way to approach that problem? And I think if he sees data in a way that makes him think otherwise, he will immediately shift. I mean, he will change his viewpoint. He has, (laughs) I think that's all I could possibly say about that guy because it's gross what he said and I hate it, but at the same time, I don't, the racism aspect of it is less about his animus toward a race and more about his lack of ability to connect with human beings and only view them in a spreadsheet.
0: And, and last word here, um, Ellie, is, you know, you were saying that black people will still vote for someone who has a terrible race record. Is Bloomberg one of those people?
3: Can we curse on this podcast? Oh,
0: oh yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. yeah
3: um, Bloomberg's fucking racist. And <laughs> that's a real problem. Right. But – if you make black people choose between a fucking racist and a fucking white supremacist that is Donald Trump they're well, going to choose the racist all the time right that's but, a win uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bloom- <laughs> bloomberg is racist in a kind of and i hate to put it this way but bloomberg is racist in a kind of normal way ah, that black well, people a normal have way. in a way we're to used to adapt, yeah. right that's Whereas exactly Trump is. is right Trump is a white supremacist in a kind of like antebellum yes. like hood wearing like this 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 guy yeah. would put me on a boat in chains kind of way. Yeah. And if that's my choice, I mean it's that or hemlock, right? So if that's <laughs> if that's my choice, then I guess then I'm you know it, So I, I actually can defend Bloomberg a little bit. That I won't do that until I absolutely have to. So, so, like, yeah. Right, so right, it's right. like literally, if said, it's Bloomberg a- versus Trump on November like fourth, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll I be will- like. Okay.
0: Yeah. Here we go. Here and, we go. And <laughs> Climate
3: change. It's really important. Like that. Like, right. Gun I have gun it.
0: control. Yes. But
3: like, I don't. I will not make that defense. Like, and I also want to
0: point out, and and we unfortunately have to move on. But I, I just want to say one last thing, which is, Bloomberg is not only a racist, but he's also a classist, and he really made New York very fucking expensive to live in yeah. through his policies, and that's something that should should really yeah. scare Americans. That said, I will totally defend him if I have to. <laughs> if I have
3: to. I mean, people don't get like stop and frisk was the was the was the stick. The carrot was gentrification, right? Yeah. So he's moving yes. black people out of their neighborhoods. He's putting white people in their neighborhoods, and to make white people safe, feel safe in the neighborhoods that they are colonizing, he's <laughs> stopping and frisking every brother that gets off the goddamn bus. Like yeah. It,
0: so. All right, you guys. That's we are. We're, we need to calm it right. down. Oof, my and, pulse. And when is we up. come, <laughs> when we come back, we're just we're gonna, you know, move on to a lighter subject. Uh, you know, like the the travel ban. <laughs> um, but first we're gonna talk about our sponsors. And uh, oh, it's gonna be so great when we talk about our sponsors. And uh, and then we'll be right back.
4: HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever, and then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me, and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering, and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing to unsubscribe. You don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Eat stress free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with, and then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled him aside in the hallway, and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like It's so simple and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no-fuss, no-mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long, and look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to Factormeals.com slash FakeTheNation50 and use the code FakeTheNation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code FakeTheNation50 at Factormeals.com slash nation 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back, you guys, and we're ready for topic number two. Uh, Okay, so... Donnie couldn't let evil enough alone. Last week, he moved to expand the already super shitty Muslim travel ban, adding Nigeria, Myanmar, Eritrea, Kyrgyzstan, Sudan, and Tanzania to the list. That means that more than half a billion people and a quarter of Africa's population are banned from seeking permanent residency in the United States for virtually no reason. Um, Why did a racist bag of Cheetos do this?
1: This is such um, an easy way. You know, I remember years ago uh, when I was on air before the election, I was just like, listen, even if Trump wins, he only has control really over foreign policy and immigration. How bad could it be? (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say, this man has impressed. (laughs) He has thoroughly impressed me with the vitriol that he has been able to do. And I think it it really also exposes a hole in our judicial process as well. When they have proved animus first in his initial uh, Muslim ban, and they said, no, you can't use this. They simply rewrote it. And then they were like... They changed the intent. So they changed the, almost the mental state in which they approached the document by simply rewriting the document. The judge was like, well, it doesn't look like animus to me. It's like, it's the same. It's the same, the same, same guy. Yeah, yeah. Just because he wrote <laughs> in a different font and, and changed the <laughs> margins. It doesn't mean it's the same hate filled shit. And then they use this weird language now, which is how they expanded it. It was just like. Well, if they don't have uh, cell phones or don't have Twitter or if they don't have ways to acknowledge uh, they have a lost passport, then you can't get into the country
0: and we know that that it's bullshit. We know that it's bullshit so hard because the 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 law is not applying to t- temporary visas, only yeah. to people seeking permanent residence, which so and if you're worried about security problems with permanent residence seekers, why wouldn't you be worried with security problems with fucking visas? No,
1: but terrorists want to stay
3: and live here after they kill us.
1: They like to they like they to gentrify to neighborhoods. As well. yeah. you,
3: you, you can't you can't apply logic. There's no there's no there's no logic to this. There's right. no logic to racism, right? Like this is this is happening because Trump realizes that his racist white base enjoys the xenophobia and racism that he brings. Having already banned Muslims once, he was trying to figure out a way to do it again. That's that's all it was. He was just, just. You mean there more. were Muslims in Africa?
1: Wait, you Sign know what? Sign them up.
3: You know what? Sign <laughs> these people are also brown. Yeah. We could ban them too, and it's basically like, Oh yeah, I want some more banning, I want some more banning. Like, Niger- he bans Nigeria are you kidding me with Nigerians? Like
0: It's like, a huge economy. I mean, yeah. like, He's like basically saying, Hey Nigeria, why don't you go work with China instead? We suck. It's
3: one of the biggest economies on the planet. He doesn't know that because he thinks all of Africa is like one giant toilet bowl f- shitter. According to him, but like Nigeria is one of the biggest economies on the planet. He's just like, hey, we don't want you anymore. Okay,
2: uh, China does
3: as exactly as you said. Yeah. China is happy to work with Nigerians um, going forward. Like so, it's not. There's no rationale behind it. It's just pure, unadulterated racism and, for political gain. What's
0: fun? What's funny about this particular racism is that it is going to have so much economic blowback, which is like. If they, Republicans, if there's one thing they want is a strong economy, right? <laughs> no, like but they a, want fucking no, money, the, and this is the kind of racism that's like, oh, you're tampering with our money. But, what? Maybe your racism needs to like be amended a little. But that's
3: always been a lie. Republicans do not just care about their money; most of all, they care about being racist, most of all, <laughs> and the money is second, right? The the you you can talk to these Trump voters, and they will they will con- when you get them in an honest moment. Right. Which is sometimes difficult. But like you give them the truth serum, you give them the box of wine, you give them the, you know, the moonshine, whatever, and you get them an honest moment. They will just straight up say he's hurting the people I hate. They will take the economic hit yeah. that Trump brings them so
0: that that happens right? So
3: for the feeling that he is hurting black and brown people who they hate. Mm-hmm. That is why they do it. Now, I don't. I have real dislike and probably hatred in my heart for Republicans, but I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine the world in which I'm like take a hundred dollars, smack Mitt Romney upside the head. Like I just that doesn't make <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. I'd rather right. have the hundred bucks, right? Like it doesn't help doesn't help me enough to watch you be like randomly cruel to people I don't like for me to, for it to cost me money. Right. But these white. Past Trump supporters are willing to give up money, cash money, in order for the feeling that other people are being you hurt. You know,
0: I wonder if, if if it if it was really presented to them that way, I. I, I I wonder, you know, uh, because I, I don't want to say that like forty percent of the country is completely
3: fucking irrational. They don't listen to facts or, or, or right. I and mean, the, able... the,
0: the fundamental problem is, yeah, we can't present it to them. It's not really possible uh, the way the media structured, the way every you know, the way now fake news and the blah, blah 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 blah. There's so many other systemic problems that make it impossible for us to give to provide a rational argument. That's, there was there was a
3: Times thing about healthcare uh, recently that I read where the guy was literally being saved because of Obamacare. Like, he would not have been able to afford the medical treatments that he needed without Obamacare. Yeah. And he said to the Times frickin' reporter, well, you know, I would rather die than have to have this government assistance. It's, it's like, what— is wrong with you right yeah
1: no right. but there's there's a narrative that that a lot of that all trump supporters have adopted and it definitely is not based in fact but what i do think will happen and the country as a whole will not pay attention to this no because it doesn't have anything to do with us it's easy to ignore it's easy exactly. to ignore. these are countries outside of our borders and when it comes to anything foreign this country fails on every And as iranian i see it Every fucking day you see a tuna again It is insane. We do not care until it affects our bottom line. What I think the economic argument will be is if there are a trend, if there is an economic shift where you start seeing why did the trade war become an issue? Because farmers started complaining and then other farmers who they also interviewed at times, they were like, well, we'll take the hit now because we'll think something better is going to happen down the road. There is no plan from this administration to see how some of these economic policies, these Social policies will affect the economic policies that we have, and the people that hold the purse strings, the actual wealthy .01 percent of the country, they are the ones that are actually going to be upset with things like this. The ones that don't think about race, they think about people, again, as a spreadsheet, and as human beings, they look at their bank account. They couldn't possibly waste time with hate because they're just too busy thinking about their money, and if you fuck with these people's money – they will not like it and it, but it will take a more macro shift so one policy like this won't do anything but if that starts to build up into a more economic turn then i think you'll see something
0: else. Look at i want i want people to know that there's um There's actual, you know, legislation here. Uh, Congress should grow a pair of tits and pass the National Origin-Based Anti-Discrimination for Non-Immigrants Act, um, or the No Ban Act is easier to remember. Um, That would make this kind of thing um, illegal.
1: Well— Glad Congress well, is on it. It's
0: also. It's also <laughs> well, they're, not, they're not. I mean, but yeah. <laughs> but you but you alluded well, to it. please
3: call your people. It's it's also unconstitutional. I mean, like, the only reason why it's been ruled constitutional is because Mitch McConnell stole a Supreme Court seat and put an alleged attempted at rapist in another Supreme Court seat. Like, in any kind of reasonable experience of American constitutional law, these travel bans are clearly an unconstitutional religious tests that that shouldn't that should be struck down. So I I bring that up just cuz like I, I I one of the things that Trump has done to me is make me lose my faith in the law. Uh, because the law man. is, you know, we haven't talked about bar today, well, right? But like if the law is administered by people and Trump the Trump administration has put the very worst people in charge of administering the law. And so the law doesn't even. function Right. So well, let's the, talk. Let's talk yeah. in
0: this last minute about the law and bar, mm. because um, one of the scandals that happened this week, which I guess I don't even know if it's rising to the level of fucking scandal, um, though it should, is that, you know, the Justice Department is interfering with the recommendations of its own prosecutors in changing the sentencing for Roger Stone. So the original recommendation was that he should do six to nine months. You know, he was convicted of, of years. Sorry. Years, years. Um, He was uh, convicted of obstruction and witness tampering. tampering. And now um, and prosecutors have quit because the Justice Department came in and said, no, this this punishment is too severe. Trump was obviously tweeting about it, which is also obstruction. Uh, This is where I think our faith in the law gets shaken. Right. Bill
3: Barr has been on a rampage since Trump got acquitted. It's not just this case. He's meddling in the Stone case. That's what triggered the media, right? But he's also meddling in the Flynn case. He's meddling in the Paul Manafort trace. He's trying to spring all of Trump's cronies that have been convicted of crimes. While he's doing that with one hand, with his other hand, he is suing sanctuary cities. He is trying to basically enforce Trump's immigration uh, 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 crackdown upon cities like New York and Chicago and San Francisco. And while he's doing that – He's also, by the way, starting the investigations into Trump's political rivals like Hunter Biden. Right. So he's doing all of these things and nobody is stopping him. I just – the next piece, that the piece that I have up today in The Nation um, is about this very problem. And my my argument is that you you, you mentioned the four prosecutors who quit. Thanks. We could have used that six months ago. We could have used that a year ago. We could have used that when Barr was appointed. If you want to be resisting...
1: Oh, come on. No, no no, you, no, wait, no, no. Wait, no, no. But the if people you, have to be able to have their jobs. You can't just say that people are just... they. Three of them resigned. from the One quit. That's a big
3: deal. These, are, huge, federal, these are federal prosecutors. It's a big deal. All of them can be employed in very high-paying jobs tomorrow.
1: Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true for all of them. It is still awesome. a big deal when you think you're doing the right thing to think that you can... Make Make a difference, and to stick with it until you feel can. like you
3: can. How yeah, many, yeah, yeah. how many federal prosecutors do you think there are? There's a lot. There are five thousand of them. Yeah. And it's not—I
1: have friends that are federal prosecutors. It's very difficult for them to find a job in a lot of these 2, places. If
3: 2,000 of them quit, that would be a statement. Okay, well, 2,000 of them quit. But that's still
1: Everyone <laughs> still know. wants health care. Everyone still wants a job. Everyone still has got families. You want people to do that all the time? I think that's really, I, I, really I,
3: stretch. I, I think that if you want to take I a would stand like in, this, in this— 100 million people to come out and vote
1: this year as opposed to what we had in 2016. I think that's a bigger problem. And I than, think
3: the election is going to be stolen. And I think if people want to stop a person like Bill Bart— Look, historically speaking, we know how this ends. Historically speaking, when you have an authoritarian running against the rule of law, the only way that ever stops is with people in the streets. It never stops with, oh, I pulled the lever and now the authoritarian is going to leave office willingly. That's never how it happens. So you need to grind the Justice Department. If you want Barr, what should happen to Barr right now is that there should be people outside of his house every day for weeks and months until he decides that he needs to resign his position and flee into exile in Ukraine or wherever he feels <laughs> more <laughs> comfortable, right? And the only way that's going to happen is if, if we have— Mass resignations from his rule and mass protests in the street outside his place of business and peaceful protests by all means, but mass protests in the streets outside his place of business and outside his house. And this country is not there yet.
1: Well, the problem you're not going to get there. It's not going to happen this year. People are too afraid of losing their jobs. People are too afraid of of making a stand and then being alienated for a, a number of different reasons. But I think in this case, in particular, with these people resigning, it does say something big. It also says something else, not just about our law, but what supports our law. And that is a collective understanding of culture and the, the legal culture that used to be unwritten in a way. Right. There is no law for you to say, hey, you shouldn't call your guy and basically say, relax those sentencing guys. And it, it, that
0: it was independent, that the Justice yeah. Department was independent, was just an un, a, a norm, an unwritten We shouldn't norm. have to codify that. Right. And that's that's why the, yeah. the, that's the feeling of sad. law
1: has completely eroded and what's, yeah. what's really upsetting. And I don't know how you fix that unless you, culture is the only way to fix something like that. You can't codify something like, this is how you're supposed to behave. This is how the emails. You can't, it's just not going to work. This is why dem- democracy is so vulnerable Gossamer right now. Gossamer
0: fragile. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Well, we have to move on from this, but I also want to point out to people um, you know, there are so many people, almost 100,000 people, that signed my petition um, to against a war with Iran. And uh, thanks again for doing that, you guys. And now there's a bill, um, you know, that has bipartisan support um, to restrict Trump's ability to do a strong. Strike against Iran, so please call your people, call your senators about that one. We really think that one should pass, and I don't know, I don't know what its fate is, but it feels extremely- there. There
3: is some bipartisan Senate support. For yeah,
0: us. there's like three yeah. Republican co-sponsors of that bill, so like it's really does Mitch want to take it up and all that stuff, and I don't know, blah blah blah. So let's um, let's just make sure that every that that our voices are heard on that bill. I think it's really important. All right, let us move on to topic number three. <laughs> Okay, so, um, oh my God, so many Fake the Nation or fake the nation listeners reached out about this topic, and special thanks to Ryan for sending articles. We love a listener who does homework. Um, but there's been um, a lot of controversy around a book called American Dirt by Janine Cummins, and mm. it's about a, a Mexican woman and her son escaping a Mexican drug cartel to the United States. Um, the book was really well received and even became an Oprah's Book Club pick, um, but there's one catch. Cummins is not Mexican, so um, the backlash <laughs> began, and it got so what? intense Literally. that she— had to cancel her book tour amid fear of violence. Uh, so I guess my question is, um, were you guys surprised by this backlash or do you think it was warranted for there to be like a controversy around this book? So I, I think there's something
1: that every creative professional should know. It is not about what you make anymore. It is about what you make and how you made it. And I think as a director and as a producer, one of the things that I do, no matter what kind of project I do, if I have someone from a different background with ethnicity, ethnicity, excuse me, that's written in the script, I do a sensitivity reading. It's just like a table read. You do a normal table read for a script to just get notes from people. You do almost like a cultural reading. Am I getting this right? Am I getting the voices right? If you involve the culture you're talking about in the process – then that's appropriate cultural appropriation. It's very easy to do. It's another – creativity is a process. You don't – a lot of the articles and that are people are talking about this, like, why can't I just write in a vacuum and then release whatever I want at any time? It's like, no, there is a process. If you want to be inclusive, if you want to be like the cool liberal guy that you want to be writing poetry and all this other stuff about other people and other experiences – maybe do the legwork and that's the process that that you have to do. I think she didn't do the legwork here. She didn't involve anybody. She made it seem like it was this big thing, was supposed to be this big great American novel and you failed because you didn't do the process right.
0: Uh, I mean I think that's a really I, and I have to say by the way, I like you know, I was kind of quietly in my head talking like t- talking about things as sensitivity Oh, I need to do a sensitivity pass or blah 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 on a on a project and in fact I sent um, my, i had to send something to my agents and i said oh by the way you guys um you know the the main character is a, a a straight brown woman what i can write for that but um it, but there was a there was a couple of other main characters who were gay and i was like just so you know please don't share this widely because i haven't yet done a sensitivity read um on this material like with members of the gay community which i definitely would do if this project were to advance and uh and and i and they were like oh yeah you're and they were like, "Oh, you're so like thoughtful," and I'm like, "I mean, this like I'm just like this is, I, mean, I
2: mean, <laughs> and
0: I'm like, and also like, I'm I'm also just like, I want to get it right. Like, yeah, it's like exactly. thoughtful, but also like, let's be act. It's sort of, it's sort of when you hear fucking old people like reference, like you know, all oh, the like kids right now they really love Eminem, and you're like, "What Eminem?" I mean, what, they you, do. Andrew but Yang, he's we're what? gonna have an
1: Oriental president? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's oh like, it's God. like God. The, Mom, the, the, stop. Yeah, stop talking,
0: stop, stop Mom. talking. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. It's like you need to know what your fucking references are. Yeah. You, know, you need to be get with the time. And then I actually then um – got a fucking job, a straight-up writing job where it was for a show, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to promote it when it comes out, where um, one of the main characters was Muslim, and they wanted me to do a read and, like, help figure out if, you know, if they were getting anything wrong. And, I mean, I was paid to do that, and I was like, wow, I, first of all, didn't realize this was getting codified into, like, a real job, Um, but I'll take the money, thanks, and I will give you, like, earnest feedback on, like, what you're doing right and wrong um, and because they it's funny because because they were so concerned about getting it right they in fact got most of it right you know what yeah. I mean mm-hmm. they were just they just thought about it three steps ahead uh, and so they didn't they you know so I think when when the show is released they'll have a great
1: time with would have gotten it wrong <laughs> 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 he would have thought he had it all right
3: I mean I have lots of thoughts on this yeah. first of all but but I can't let it go without going back to our earlier conversation we live in a world where this white lady who's a fiction author can't <laughs> Have a book tour oh, for fear of yeah. being protest, but Bill Barr is at the Whole Foods <laughs> and nobody is stopping him. Like what the hell, people? Right. I right. Could yeah. just, Mexicans yeah. are angry at this white lady. Bill Barr is banning my
1: If Bill Barr did a sensitivity reading on his racist right. policies, he would have gotten
3: them right. <laughs> But he's, but he's free to keep his, you know, you know obstruction tour going throughout the country. So. No, Sorry. it's right. You I are think, crossing segments I, right now.
0: Again, I, I would have loved to see just like a really calm discussion about how that like, oh, here's what the book did wrong um, in the future. pub, And this isn't about. Janine Cummins, and this is what's sad, it's not about her. It's really about the publishing industry and their un- inability to see what's what's happened with the pipeline for writing books and getting them published mm-hmm. and to see, and to insist on a process like that, right? So, re- and, and because the gatekeepers in publishing are still largely white and that's what the problem is, right? The, the,
3: the, I, I, this is exactly the point, right? I don't have, I don't actually have, as a creative person person. person, blah, blah, blah. I don't actually have a problem with a white lady writing about Mexican people. I don't. I have a problem that Mexican people can't write about Mexican people because their books don't get picked up and their books don't get published, right? right? So the white lady does it and everybody wants to come in and give her a book tour and have all these things. When the Mexican lady does the same goddamn thing from an authentic point of view with an authentic perspective, it's her book that can't get picked up. Right. It's her book it's that can't keepers. get sold, right? Yeah. So that, that becomes the problem. You wouldn't have an issue. It's, you know, I don't read this kind of fiction. My fiction tends to be more like, oh my God, he has laser beams out of his yeah, eye sockets. <laughs> wow. Right. Like, you know, and so like I don't have, you know, a, a harsh, you know, when you think about science fiction. Um, there are issues of like you know, you see this a lot in like the X-Men comics or whatever. Like are the are the comic writers who are writing the X-Men, which is fundamentally, I mean, for you for for people who are not are immersed in geek culture, the X-Men is fundamentally a series of stories about coming out. Like that's that's the comic book. Um so when you have people kind of writing, so they recently had like an openly gay X-Men, which is almost oxymoronic, but
2: like
3: <laughs> <laughs> um redundant i mean um but they, they had this you know where did, they didn't have like gay writers writing that character and so like there were these issues there right and that's where you get into the sensitivity reads and being aware and i i agree with all of that but the bottom line is that in comic book world land there are opportunities for people of color for people gay people for women to write the comic book land is getting expanded to the point where we are finally including writers and illustrators from that world novelists it's impartially it's, it's in part a because it's a, it's yeah. a it's a different you know meta thing going on but the gatekeepers for novelists tend to still be entirely white generally white male People who are making decisions about what gets to be called good fiction in this Mm -hmm. country Mm -hmm. and what doesn't even get a get a chance to breathe the light of day. And that's where the critical problem is, more so than one white lady's fictional And
1: how many layers did this book have to get through to get in front of Oprah? How many white people would be like, Oh, this will be good, this will be good for Oprah. This will be good for Oprah. And not one person was just like, Hey, let's think about the story of how this was made.
0: Right. And even even Oprah, yeah, did did not do that work. Um, I, I do I do want to say about this whole fucking thing is that I'm just internet. I'm really disappointed in you <laughs> because <laughs> because she should because she should not feel scared.
2: Yeah. Yep, this yep. is yeah.
0: not like just because she did something poorly does not mean she should receive death threats. It does not mean that we should pile on this one book. We should maybe use this as a springboard to talk about a larger problem and we didn't you know and that's i think the main problem and zany smith said and, and i think this is some a little bit of the takeaway that's happening as opposed to the takeaway we want which is hey publishers hey agents hey you know the take the that's the fucking takeaway is the gatekeepers you guys are doing a terrible job uh the but the takeaway that's happening instead is as Zadie Smith is pointing out, she she said, quote, the old and never especially helpful adage, write what you know has morphed into something more like a threat, stay in your lane. And I think that's the problem with the conversation is that writers are now like, it's sort of like Jerry Seinfeld not wanting to do colleges because he's just like, I can't because they're too sensitive and whatever. Uh,
1: Jerry Seinfeld, edgiest comic in America. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I but I think like wh- – because, you know, like I've mentioned this before. I wrote a musical called The Israeli-Palestinian Conflict, a romantic comedy. It, I am not Israeli. I'm not Palestinian. I don't have a dog in the race specifically. Um, but I felt super fucking comfortable writing that, re- researching it, talking to some Palestinians, talking to some Jews, working it out. Um, my composer was Jewish. And uh, and, you know, I I think the other funny thing is we have this ridiculous double standard where it's um, if, if you're white and you're talking about another culture bad, if you're brown and talking about another brown culture that's fine, um, and that's not necessarily fine. Well, you know, I don't what know what I
1: mean? Right. Because, I, don't know. I still got like beef with you... Jay Z and Beyonce naming their kid Rumi. You oh. know what I mean? like I got beef if, they, if there's a a, an African American writer that's writing about the Persian Revolution. Right. You have got to come talk to us.
0: Um, <laughs> no, but you know right? No, but you know, but in the and and Cena. I mean, I think you've heard me rant about this, but it's sort of like when John Stewart cast Gael Garcia Bernal in the movie in his movie Rosewater to play I'm... a fucking Iranian reporter, <laughs> and I'm not saying Gael. Albert Garcia Bernal isn't Iranian, but I'm saying he's definitely Mexican. I'm a sad eligible actor. Come I mean, on. we're sitting right here. Well, hello? By Hello. the way, I love John Stewart.
1: Also, no hair on any of these movie. Persians. So f- pseudo Persians. Look <laughs> to start on Jake Gyllenhaal being Prince oh of Persia. God, Gael,
2: I
0: want to fight him. Gael was way too smooth skinned. So smooth so skinned for God. this part. It's not. It's it's not. It's just, just not got accurate. Me so angry. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it. But that's no the life. other weird thing that we're dealing with is that we 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 put we put our internet rage in yeah. pockets and. I, and I just again, I'm disappointed uh, in the internet for how they handled this controversy.
3: But I, I, I would just come back to the, the to me again, the issue is not that Scarlett Johansson can't play an Asian lady or I th- black yep. lady. Or right. yeah. I'm sure she's a great actress. I'm sure that there are people who want her to play Harriet freaking Tubman. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is It is that actors and actresses of color cannot get yeah. either – the even the roles that they look the part for, say nothing of the roles that they allegedly don't look the part for, right? right. So like Jake Hall can play the Pinch of Persia just as soon as Donald Glover can be Batman. Yeah. Right. Right? Like the, it, it, then we can have – then we can live in that world. But right now we still live in a world where people freak out because maybe Idris Elba, oh. who is – the sexiest and most famous British person alive right now. Yeah. Should he be James Bond? Like, what are you? Do- James Bond, first of all, is like a downgrade from where Idris <laughs> Elba is right now. <laughs> but yes, he could be James Bond. Right? I so celebrated get there, right? for
1: that short week where he was rumored to be the next James. I was, t- I was telling everyone, I was like, "Big
3: dress is James Bond
0: now. <laughs> Can you believe?" Can I just not- say one
3: thing on this? because this is really pissing off. By the way, I don't have one of my
0: favorite song, my song of summer, was his um, "Boasty." Oh. Guys, fucking look it up. (laughs) Bosti is a fantastic fucking song featuring the one and only Idris Elba on the mic.
3: Um... What, just last point on this. Like, yeah. So one of the things that really pissed me off about that conversation was people were like, oh, James Bond's a spy. He has to blend in. How could Idris Elba blend in? And I'm oh, like, hey, F-U-B. There's a whole goddamn continent where <laughs> Idris Elba can blend in just fucking fine, right? Y'all have no problem sending James Bond to be a spy in Jamaica, in China, in Taiwan, but Idris Elba can't blend in in Germany? Are you fucking kidding me? And if, you, and if that really was the problem, send his ass to Jamaica. He'd be fine. Sorry. I literally yelled off my head
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of feelings in the room there's a lot of feelings in the room alright well we have to end it there uh, on an interest Elba note um, alright you guys that's the end of the show how do you feel
1: I've definitely pulses skyrocketed and- <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's sweating over here. He's got his <laughs> sleeves rolled up. Jacket was off w- really quickly. <laughs> ba-da, ba-da.
3: <laughs> I think. I think the lesson of this is that I want Idris Elba to investigate Bill Bar. Yes. Oh, that's where we, oh, that's where we are. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, look, guys, and I don't like. I li- I would like. I like for the show to make people feel better. This show felt. I think made people feel more riled up, and <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> okay. We're having one of those days. It's okay. But you've got two concrete actions you can call your senators about the No Ban Act. You can call your senators about the, um, you know, not using um, the the Trump <laughs> not going
3: to war with Iran. <laughs> not
0: going to war with Iran without congressional <laughs> approval. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. And um, but
3: not nuking motherfuckers. And then, <laughs> and then <yeah>. not stop. <laughs> stop. Don't stop. kill my. I stop. got a cousin. Stop,
1: <laughs> please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the final thing is, um, fucking, as your votes come around, vote your conscience. Do not vote New Hampshire's conscience. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. So so please um, we, we feel better. <laughs> now, you guys, I would like for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you in all of your good works. Ellie, where do they do that?
3: I am the Justice Correspondent at TheNation.com, and I can be found on Twitter at EllieNYC. That's at E-L-I-E-N-Y-C.
1: Sina. I'm at Cena John S E E N A J O N on Twitter, Instagram, Cena underscore G on TikTok, y'all.
0: Come on at me! Oh,
1: <laughs> oh,
3: I have one wow. video. I love it though.
0: <laughs> wow, you're the first guest to I know. promo their TikTok. I have, I have
3: I, one. You video. seem old enough to buy beer. I'm really confused. I know exactly.
1: <laughs> That's
0: why it's so funny. It's
3: it really is really hilarious. weird.
0: I'm uncomfortable. It's a right good now.
3: cleanser when
1: you're on Twitter for too long to just head over to TikTok. It's just kids playing pranks with their parents it's so adorable
0: okay all right I don't know if I endorse that but anyways <laughs> you guys know where to find me on uh, on Twitter and all the other fucking things and blah 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 um, I would like to uh, what I would really like to do right now is thank the people that make this show happen uh, that's our marvelous producer Anita Flores our talented audio engineer um, Andy Christens uh, Lily Fleshler helps with research Gabby Alter wrote our theme music and uh, you guys if you leave us a voicemail three four seven 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 zero four nine eight one. you can tell us what you think we should be talking about guests we should have on um, you guys have been doing such a great job of, of like contacting me and letting me know what you think we should be talking about so please keep doing that you can also send an email at comments at and you know where to find me in all of the fucking social media platforms that we hate um, if you like what you hear please leave us a review on apple podcast because it helps people find the show that's an actual uh, known fact all right you guys we'll be back uh, next week